the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Stock market today. Let's start there. There's some good stories. But the stock market is kind of sending this vibe of, don't touch me right now. I want to be alone. Uh, the big tech companies were working so wonderful until August, and maybe even on September 1, started to fall apart. The big tech company names like Zoom, Tesla, Apple, um, all significantly lower. I think Tesla's now down 20% from its all-time high. Now, is that a buying opportunity or a selling situation? Hopefully, you had some ideas when you bought it at its all-time high, because now you're faced with a dilemma, and you kind of want to have that stuff figured out before you start playing in the stock market sandbox, so to speak. Um, I'm not stressed. I It comes with the territory. You're up 400 500%. You're allowed to go down 20%. You're allowed to go down to 40%. Oh, did he just say that? But somewhere around 20 and 40%, it might become a buying opportunity for those who felt they missed the train. Now, this is extreme because we've never seen stock. Well, I don't want to say we've never seen stock moves like this before, but the percentage of the market waiting moves has been the big just got ginormous. We've seen small get, get big. We've seen that. But the biggest names out there just got bigger, uh, gigantister, whatever crazy, ridiculous word you want to make up. So that's out there. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There's a value investor out there who I respect enormously named Mario Gabelli. 25 years ago, when I started playing around in the stock market and investing as a registered investment advisor, I came across his name. One of the things I did was I did homework on any of the greatest investors, any of the best in the business. That got me into a lot of tech funds from Robertson Stevens, got to me to know Dan Niles, who I've met, and I was like a, a fanboy. I was like, can I have your autograph? And I don't even know, have an autograph book, you know? Uh, but Mario Gabelli was one of those names. He's a billionaire value investor. And he's probably someone to be fair to you that my dad invested with into his mutual funds. I didn't think I was going to say that in this segment, but now that I think about it, I do remember seeing Gabelli value funds. So my dad would get annual reports and quarterly letters sent to the house. I was like, I want to read that. I know you're saying most kids were reading Charlotte's Web when they're in the fourth grade. You were reading Mario Gabelli value statements? Not quite, but I was reading... Um, so anyway, 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 um, Gabelli's talking about one of the biggest mistakes he ever made. And I always like stories like that. He said that they had a small stake in Netflix, but he regrets passing up a chance to buy shares after the company announced one of its increases of its prices in monthly subscriptions. So he said Netflix is doing very, very well. And he looks at it across 
from what he could have done with it to what he did do with it, and he has a little bit of regret. That's fine. I like that kind of modern thinking, so to speak. Um, holding yourself accountable. Uh, the markets are starting to lose a little bit of steam in the big mega cap names, but what is working are financials right now, J.P. Morgan and Bank of America. I consider that healthy. I consider every dog must have its day. Now, if Tesla goes up 5,000%, I'm okay if uh, financial stocks go up 10. I kind of like that. I kind of like a little bit of justice. I'm kidding about that. But I kind of like all players to win. I once was speaking to a Secretary of State from the United States, um, and he said the most fascinating thing to me. He goes, Rob, terrorism goes away if all countries start doing well. And that's one of the reasons we give money to poor countries. It's one of the reasons we give technology to poor countries. It's one of the reasons we help. Because in the poorest of countries, it can be problematic to their views of America. And it's pretty much so an easier step to radicalize. So his concept was, we want everyone to do well. And that concept kind of works for me in the stock market as well. Now, again, a financial stock probably won't have the performance of a Zoom, a Tesla, NVIDIA, and Apple. No. But you still don't want them to be like, no one likes them forever. Anyhow, weekly jobless claims totaled 881,000. Woo! Better than expected. Labor market numbers tomorrow. First Friday of the month. Harry and Megan are getting their own Hollywood Netflix deal. This is not a reminder that I'm totally in love with the Royals, because I'm not. This is a reminder that Netflix, Hulu, uh, HBO, Apple TV, am I missing any? Amazon Prime, that it's a golden age of TV away from ABC, NBC, CBS that once were thought to be the only players in television have really seen that area invaded hardcore. Um, I don't care about the Sussexes. I wish I did, but I don't. It's not my thing. But David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who did Game of Thrones, that kind of worked for me in a funny kind of way. I liked Game of Thrones. The first couple seasons were shockingly, pleasantly surprising. I never read the books. I'm not a big 14,000-page fantasy book reader. And I don't have a 14,000 pages, but it feels like it. And I don't think he's even come out with a new book, like in five years or six years, and the show's been over. Anyway, that's I'm digressing. But David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, uh, they did Game of Thrones. They just signed a big deal. They're going to do a new Netflix show, uh, series called, um, what is it called? Uh, it's called Third World or something like that. Um, uh, problem, third problem. And it's based a Chinese bestseller, and it's based in space. So we're going to say goodbye to dragons and hello to aliens, because these worlds are going to collide. Third body, I think it's called. And it's three planets that are going to destroy the world. And it ends, I think, with the destruction of the world, but it starts in the 1960s, and it ends when the world ends or something like that. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, that was part of the press release, just so you know. Um, golden age of television, golden age of media. So anyone can do a podcast, anyone. What can they bring to the table as far as intelligence goes? That's what I try to do for you here. Uh, we talk about everything that we can, and we hit some strategy and some uh, investment themes, but we also talk some pop culture as well. So Netflix gets Harry and Megan 
the sussness. I'm going to try to do that with uh, potato chips in my mouth later today. You won't want to miss that. That'll be brilliant radio. The sussness. Anyway, TikTok, uh, still no Facebook, but they announced something pretty interesting. They're going to try to monetize because they're all focused on Generation Z. Uh, they're letting their users now get a kind of a commerce platform called Teespring so they can build their own merchandise and s- essentially sell their own merchandise. It's interesting because TikTok's also fighting the United States government at this point in time uh, to try to remain independent before they can come public. But there's a Chinese government problem in there. Microsoft and Walmart have talked about buying the companies because Trump wants the company sold. Um, I get it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Stay with us. Take a break. Be right back. Drop me an email at rob at robblackshow.com and find me online at robblackshow.com as well as newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. Big movie uh, coming out right here right now. It's going to test the movie theater world. Tenet. Christopher Nolan's got a new movie, Time Bidding sci-fi epic that hopes revive the movie business. This is getting back to business, right? This is a post-pandemic thing that we're going to try to play with. It's going to be the first major release since the pandemic hit. Um, a couple weeks ago, they came out with the new Mutants. I don't know about that one. That was supposed to be a big movie, but it got shelved for years. What's the business lesson here? That Hollywood is about talent. Uh, you invest in companies that have talent, right? Uh, Warner Brothers is rolling out Tenant on the big screen. Disney's Mulan is going to be released on Disney Plus for a premium price. Mulan is the rare mega-budgeted movie to skip theaters in favor of streaming, and it's kind of goofy the way it's all playing out, but I feel it's ultimately good. Uh, Let's test new forms of doing business. Um, I'm stoked that targeted Walmart and Best Buy had the idea of curbside delivery another option. Some people don't want to wait a day or two days to get their stuff in the mail, especially with the U.S. Post Office these days having funding issues or execution issues or something. Um, I, I like that business models have evolved and changed. It's fair to say that you don't want to be a dinosaur. You don't want to stick to the old ways of doing business. Otherwise, you're going to end up like Macy's. That's a big question right now is how long will Macy's have? Um, to figure out their their business, I wouldn't own the stock. I understand people that you know might go, "Well, my mommy and my daddy used to shop at Macy's, or my great grandpappy." Uh, uh, no interest for me because I don't think they survive. I think they are like a J.C. Penney's or a Sears. Uh, how about a Kmart? So did Amazon kill all of them? I, it certainly didn't help that they didn't change their business models fast enough. Do you remember a couple of years ago, um, Apple, no, not Apple, excuse me, uh, J.C. has hired Ron Johnson. Do you remember Ron Johnson the era? He was the former Apple exec who had basically designed the Apple stores. Um, you think it was Steve Jobs, but it was not. And the concept behind the Apple stores with the Genius Bars and stuff was a guy named Ron Johnson and how he set these little mini stores inside of it, uh, little mini areas where it, it just funneled you in. Johnson tried to do that same success at JCPenney's, and he, he 
did everything he could. He's like, let's make a, a small Apple store in the JCPenney's. Let's make a small um, Levi's Wrangler store. Let's make a, a place where people can go get a Samsung phone and turn it on. Um, let's give kids free haircuts on weekends. You're like, what up with that? And again, it's just a strategy to get a new end, right? And then maybe you'll shop there. You don't have to. There's no requirement. But he failed miserably. Failed. Way I turning around JC Penney's, probably because they waited too long to compete with Amazon. And now it's interesting. Flash forward 10, 15 years, and what JC Penney's could have done is exactly what Walmart and Target have done: turned their big box stores into distribution centers. And get this: Target and Walmart say, "Come pick it up." They don't even have to hire the driver to send it out to you. Now they make a relationship with companies like Instacart and others to do the delivery if you want that option. Uh, but it seems like a lot of perks now. If you're a shopper, uh, the retailers had to survive to adapt, and the ones that didn't became dinosaurs. I've got some friends that it was pretty funny the other day. They were uh, telling me that dinosaurs are, are fuel. And I was like, really? And I'm like, all the gallons of gasoline in the world, all the barrels of oil or gasoline are dinosaurs? And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how many dinosaurs do you think it goes take to fill up a tank? And we were just laughing about it because it was something that was taught incorrectly in school. It was one of those myths. But um, I digress. Markets are facing what I would refer to as a, uh, a very tricky situation dealing with sector rotation. The most extreme company that's doing the sector rotation the front end of it is Tesla. Tesla's getting slacked. Um, and again, I've, I opened with a statement, and I think we should still play with it a little bit more. Now that they're down roughly 20% from its all-time high, which happened three days ago, how do you feel about it? Because that's kind of happening on the market right now. I think there's a good chance that I've made all the money I'm going to make in shares of Apple um, for the next maybe two years. The gains that they brought forward will eventually need earnings to catch up to them. In theory, that's always happened that way, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen that way this time. Um, but Tesla down 20%. How do you feel about it? I want to get a little bit into market psychology in your head. Of, I see it more as a buying opportunity. But also, if I bought it, I would expect it to underperform considerably because it's outperformed considerably. So I'm not there yet. But uh, markets have a couple bad months, a couple bad quarters. Uh, I would be stoked. Those are buying opportunities for me if I'm accumulating wealth. If I'm managing wealth, you want to limit the downside as much as you possibly can. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, well, we can talk about. Fewer Americans filed for unemployment benefits than expected, but tomorrow's going to be a big one. Tomorrow's going to be the employment situation report, first Friday of the month. Um, I'll be on it. Tell friends. AstraZeneca signed a manufacturing deal with privately held Albany Molecular Research. So AstraZeneca signed a manufacturing deal with Albany Molecular Research, produced millions of doses of the British Maker's experimental coronavirus vaccine annually. Um, lovely. It's good news it's moving in the right direction. We're not talking about 
uh, we we are talking about a second wave hitting this winter. We are talking about do you get flu shots this year or not? Do you because everyone will be wearing masks in theory? Flu should be last even if we don't get flu shots, but we will get flu shots because how many people get flu shots? So I think we're talking the right ideas here, and we're not talking about the pandemic overwhelming us. Uh, it seems like hospitals are getting better at managing their their flows, or media has just turned off that story. So I don't must refer to that as a bed load. Um, but after the uh, positive news, anytime we hear this, scaling up production ideas, scaling up production capacity, getting ready for vaccines, that's a lot better than going, oh, that Chinese virus is going to stay in China. What? Seattle's getting decimated. What? New York's getting decimated. What? It, it, it's better news, but we still have a lot of work to do in the economy. And one of Trump's sons incorrectly talked about how great the economy was doing when he looked at the stock market. The stock market's not the economy. The stock market is a discounting mechanism, but it's not the economy. It looks at the economy, but it's not the economy. Anyhow, and anyway, you can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Uh, don't be shy. You can also find me online at Rob Black Show and newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Football is due to start up very soon. And that'll be interesting to see what it looks like and what it feels like. And do we go out in the streets more? Do we get back to doing business? There's a theory out there that we may not. And I know I'm not talking a lot about strategy right now. I'm talking kind of like theory. But the COVID-19 pandemic, the nation awaits a vaccine. But a new study has shown something that kind of tells me keep your eyes open for opportunity and keep your eyes open for too much risk. A study suggests that the crisis is generated fears that are likely to dampen risk-taking and economic output for decades to come, perceived probability of an extreme negative shock in the future. The economic cost of the warier outlook is many times larger than the short-term damage we did in the last year. I, where I'm going at with this is, do you kind of have that feeling, do you kind of get that sick sense in your stomach that people are going to be going, stay away from me, don't get close to me, that, you know, put a mask on during the winter, or maybe even put a mask on during the summer. We've had so many yahoos out there say so many ridiculous things, uh, both positive and negative, that probably some people died from some bad advice that they were thinking they were being, you know, smart and such. If The Rock can get COVID and he's got a great immune system, Anyone can get COVID, is my thought. So there's some risk that if The Rock can get it, maybe I don't want to go to the beach or a movie theater because I know I'm not The Rock. I got dad bod compared to The Rock. Yes, I'm talking about that guy. So do you have questions about the long-term scarring effects? This was released in a paper that the Federal Reserve wrote, the Bank of Kansas City. I like reading that stuff, not from beginning to end, but I like picking it up and taking a look at what uh, economic theories are being thrown out there. 
The virus will eventually pass. Vaccines will be developed. Workers will return to work. But the lasting effects of the nature on the economic activity and spending is a big question. Will restaurants become more premium, i.e. fewer seating? Will we always see people wearing masks? I saw, I was watching a little bit of the ESPN highlights last night, publicly traded company Disney. Um, Clint Frazier of the Yankees, I think his name's Clint Frazier, hit a home run and he had a mask on. I'm like, that's still kind of weird to see. I went into a Best Buy to pick up a networking cord yesterday, uh, seeing the, the, drain, the drain that the internet takes when you have four people, five people on, on Zoom. Um, but when I went into Best Buy, I was like, this is wonderful. I, I felt like I could sing a song, dance, run around the store. I could touch everything. I was able to do pirouettes. It, and I told the security guy, he's been there for over 20 years, which is fascinating to me. I said, I, this, this is like the best day. Like, this is the first store I've been in in six months. Um, wearing a mask, doing everything proper. Um, but pretty surreal. And uh, yeah, by, by the way, I do love touchless everything now. I was the first person to get on radio and television and say that the best day of my life was when they were able to pay at the pumps, which you didn't have to go inside and stand in line. Oh, that was wonderful. And, uh, and again, I'm not a germ-phobe. I'm not. Uh, but is there some lingering effects? And I think the answer is going to be yes. So as an investor, I think we're going to have to look everywhere we can to try to figure out the best ways to deploy our money and who's coming up with the best systems. There's no doubt I invest in more healthcare as I get older, right? So one of the stories as far as will things ever get back to normal, ask yourself this question, do you have a child? And if you have a child, ask yourself the question of, how much am I willing to pay for healthcare, for childcare? Because the coronavirus pandemic has battered child care providers. And that has me a little bit spooked. Did you see the two little girls in Salinas, California, who uh, were sitting outside of a Taco Bell doing their homework on a wireless? Like, isn't that crazy? Um, so child care is an issue. Like, we don't even give our kids computers and Wi-Fi in the United States. They have to go to Taco Bell to get it done? Whoa! So one area that, you know, it brings up, I'm not, telling that, I'm not telling you that person, that mom's a bad mom. I'm not saying that. I think it's genius that they're able to pull it off and they got crowdfunded and they're going to get at their own little trailer. They're going to get a lot of positive things in their life because of a, a very emotional picture. Two kids sitting on Taco Bell trying to do their homeworks on what looks like, you know, uh, school computers, little Google pads. But the childcare industry... I can't imagine dropping my kid off at childcare right now. Um, back when you have a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, and you trust someone not to ignore your kid, to fall asleep, you trust people not to sexually abuse your children, like throwing your kids in a daycare is a lot of trust because we've all seen the horrible videos of that person shouldn't be working in that industry, shaking a baby, glad it's not my baby. <laughs> Jim Jeffries, comedian, has a great uh, little skit on don't shake the baby. He had to watch a video, and he was like, yeah, it's kind of exactly like it sounds. But putting your kid in child care now, they have to do everything they can to make moms happy. I think moms drive the universe in a funny kind of way. And what I mean by that is home prices, I think most men would live in a cardboard box as long as it had hi-fi, super, super Wi-Fi. Like, we would be fine. We would figure it out. Um, 
men are filthy animals. We would figure it out. But women want, like, I want the best school for my baby. So I have a $2 million house that's near a good school. Why? I don't know what you're saying. Because it's got a good school. I'm like, why? I'm going to get a divorce if I do it a third time. The why is because the moms. So I think if you ever want to buy a home, one of the areas you could easily start if you want to try to protect some downside would be right next to a great school in a cute neighborhood. In the in the neighborhood that does the coolest holly, um, Halloween decorations or the coolest Christmas decorations. Because moms want to create moments for their kids where they walk them to school or they take them on a, a Christmas walk and they see all the Christmas lights in the neighborhood. That helps real estate value, right? But the schools is really, really important, in my opinion. So right now I'm a little bit freaked out with what we're seeing in healthcare, and I feel bad for parents who've got young kids that they need to drop them off at daycare because the costs for the child care centers is increasing aggressively. Home-based family child care seeing costs increase an average of 70%. Licensed child care centers are seeing up 47%. You can't just do this from the back of your home anymore and, and think that it's going to be all fine, but that's inflation too. At what point do you go, honey, you really don't have to go to work because how much we're paying for child care, we're basically break-even. Why don't you stay at home? And then when I say honey, that's one of the most sexist things I could say, right? How about I say sugar pie? No, 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 don't say that. How about I say um, spouse of equality? You don't have to work at a job that doesn't pay as much as our child care. Maybe you should latch on to your sibling units or your child units or your infant units. Is that clean enough for us? Yes. The largest expense for child care right now is staff. There is a story circulating in the L.A. Times about California may run out of teachers this year. I'm like, what? I got to look at that one more time. Uh, what? <laughs> Running out of teachers, 47% of teachers said they thought about quitting in the last month, and then you may get a COVID situation. You may get a situation where, um, like the baseball teams, when they're coming back, if you know one person gets COVID, the whole team shuts down for a weekend, and they try to figure it out, isolate it, and, and figure out how to go forward. We don't know yet, but $3.5 billion was allocated in the CARES Act passed in March for child care centers. Again, when are you going to feel comfortable? And is this a long-term problem? And it's a long-term cost? I think it will be. Very rarely do we say, okay, you need to have this place clean so that people don't have germs and the kids don't die. Oh, now that the COVID's over, you can go back to filthy dirty. That's probably not going to happen, and the cost will be passed on to you and me. That is our lesson on inflation today. If healthcare costs are going up, the federal government will eventually see it, and they'll factor it into their inflation formulas. You don't want too much inflation. You don't want too little inflation. The way I look at it is Goldilocks. Yes, the chick who broke it in Three Bears' house. Yes, the chick who ate their food, who was a burglar. Yes, the, I get, you get it, right? You want it not too hot, not too cold, just right. So, but we're seeing it too hot in child care. And I don't think we've seen the ramifications on how that plays out quite yet, if you pick up what I'm putting down. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Child care providers continue to bear the burden of increased operating costs, but eventually they pass it on to you and I. Now, one of the other areas that we're starting to see inflation on, and maybe that's where the show's going today, let's talk inflation. Um, 
Uber and Lyft. Uber and Lyft would love nothing better than to continue to not pay their employees as employees, but to pay their drivers as contractors. Right now, the idea of catching a ride across town to go get pick up my car, it's in the shop for 20 bucks, is, is lovely. But that, that, that luxury, if it's 60 bucks, ain't no good. So Joe Biden thinks AB5 is a great idea. He wants to roll out some version of it nationwide for gig workers. This is bad for Uber and Lyft, and it's, it's problematic because it's inflation. Would workers lose their job? Yes. But I don't have the answer to this one other than to tell you I'm seeing inflation in health care costs. I've seen inflation in child care costs. I'm seeing inflation down the road in Ubers and less. In the end, we have price points that we're comfortable with, and we won't pay so much for child care, and we won't pay so much for Uber and less. Interesting developments, no? You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. I got new seminars coming up. So got nothing to market right now. Take a break here. We'll be right back. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Bank of America has raised the 2020 S&P 500 forecast. They've set a 10-year target of 5,200. That's not great. That's not the doubling that we want. Chuck Schumer calls the GOP's latest coronavirus stimulus plan completely inadequate. This is an area that is frustrating to be an American citizen who's neither Republican or Democrat in my approach to life. I just always want to elect the best person. I know that's really silly of me to say, but I've always thought that made sense. And politics doesn't make sense these days, right? Chuck Schumer is calling the GOP's latest coronavirus stimulus plan completely inadequate. The Democrats want more. The Republicans want less. The Democrats want more into their areas, and the Republicans want more into theirs. I just want like this is big. Our debt this year is bigger than our GDP. First time since World War II. We got to start figuring out how we're spending this money because we're basically going to war with the coronavirus. In theory, if you talk about the war chest that we're throwing at it versus what's happening to the economy and like we're trying to fix things, right? Five hundred billion to a billion? I don't know. To a trillion? At what point? We need to have a plan that's a little bit more effective, and we need all to work together. The whole idea of, like, hey, let's shut down the whole economy for April, and the people are flying off to Phoenix to have boat joyrides, that didn't quite jive with if we're all in this together. So we're not really fighting this war terribly smart, it feels like. Some areas like it, some areas don't. It's my right to make my own mind. But I can tell you, we're spending a lot of money. And ultimately, to me, that's a... That is the issue here of, I don't mind spending the money. I think the economy is worth saving, but how do we do it? This is going to be something we study for years and years and years in college, except for we won't be going to college, so we'll be watching them online, right? Dow drops 300, three big bills, 300 points as Apple heads for its worst day since late March. So I can't just say Tesla's down. I got to say Amazon and Alphabet and Microsoft and Netflix and Apple. All the big mega cap stocks are, are getting kind of swacked. So Apple shares dipped more than 5%, putting them on pace for their worst day since March 20th. 
And again, a, a day like this when we're seeing the sector rotation, and I think that's been a little bit of a trend now for the better part of a week or two weeks, that we've seen the oil stocks, the energy stocks, we've seen the financial stocks, massive underperformers, start to show a little performance, especially when compared to the market. So Apple's down 5% right now. It sits at $124. Um, I, I warned you on buying into the run-up for the split. Well, it was just it was crazy momentum. There's nothing wrong with that. But crazy momentum, in theory, you should know what you are. You might be, it should be a trading stock versus an investable stock, or you should say, well, then I don't mind if it goes down 5%. So a momentum stock, if it goes up 100%, you can count on it going down 20 to 40%, maybe as much as 60. I've never seen a mega cap stock be momentum like we've seen this year. So where's the bottom on it? I don't know. I can tell you they're about to announce the new phones in September, and they've got a new watch that's going to be the cheap Watch 3 replacement, and they've got an expensive watch that's going to be the brand-new, top-of-the-line Watch 6. They've got some wearables. I, I get it all. I like it. I like the direction they're moving. They've got some new product. But did we buy on the rumor and sell when the news comes out? Do we buy on the rumor of 5G, or do you think 5G is a one-quarter, or it's already built in? I still own shares of Apple. I did sell some uh, last month. Silverberg Rise of Jacob Jackson, these stocks ever mentioned. But, um, yeah, where do you feel your pain point? That's a good question. Have you ever been at a dentist and he's drilling? He's like, okay, raise your hand if it's too much. Raise your hand if it's too much. Don't tell me to raise my hand if it's too much, because it's probably going to be too much, and I'm probably going to hit you. Um, have you ever been at the dentist where you have to figure out your pain point? I'm looking at the market trade now, and they look bad. They look like they're rolling over. But, again, that's just my amateur technician short-term eye. Long-term, I look at that Bank of America forecast, and I go, that's less than a double in 10 years. That doesn't make me feel great. Uh, it doesn't make me feel horrible, but it doesn't make me feel great. I look at the uh, Bank of America raises the 2020 S&P 500 forecast. That's a 10-year target of 5,200. And I'm 10 years. Where's the S&P 500 now? 3,500? Okay. Now, Bank of America's not drunk. They may not be bullish. They may not be optimistic. They may not be embracing the capitalism. They may not be embracing... You know, whatever they are, they mean, but they're not drunk. So you build that into your head, and you go, "Okay, I, I kind of think I should expect lower returns." Airline stocks are rising despite highly depressed ticket sales. Another great question, right? Airlines have said that they're changing the ticketing fees and cancellation policies, and that seems to be like if you to catch on. But so far, again, the long-term psychological is when do we fly? I've told my, my significant other, time to book tickets. I want to be the first one in Hawaii and not the one who all the hotels are booked and all the flights are booked and all the cheap flights are gone. I don't want to be that guy. We still haven't done it. I've taken the action in my head, time to do it, but I still haven't pulled the trigger because I, I'm not quite sure about flights. I'm not quite sure about safety. I'm not quite sure. So there's some lingering long-term effects, right? Uh, Rob, there's still no vaccine. I know. I know, but international air transport saw a 94.5% traffic decline in July. International flights down 94%. Ooh, 
Ooh, that's not good. Since Memorial Day, Delta shares are up 37%. American shares are up 34%. United shares are up 43%. Southwest shares are up 32%. In the next hour, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Southwest because they've always been like the leader and they figure stuff out and they make it work and they make a little bit of money along the way, even during 9-11 terrorism, right? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing more. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.